Part Twelve of Alador by Henry Newbolt. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapters thirty four to thirty six. Chapter thirty four. How Ewan and Enya went flying between sun and moon. Then they went hastily until it was past noon, and Ewan would not that they should stint till at last they wearied both and lacked strength for lack of meat and they espied a shepherd's hut all lonely among the hills and it stood fast by a thicket and they knew not whose it might be for it was far off from the valley of their dwelling so they came thither and found it empty for the shepherds were abroad with their flock then they went within the hut and shut to the door and thought to rest them a while but ewan sat him down beside the window and hid himself that he might keep watch for he doubted that they were not yet wholly escaped and when he had watched for the space of half an hour he saw how that there was something stirring in the border of the thicket and presently came forth the young fawn going warily upon his hands and upon his shanks and he cast about him on this side and on that nosing the earth as a hound upon the trail and he began to creep toward the hut and ewan moved not but laid hold upon his staff but in the same moment he looked beyond the fawn and saw two shepherds which came coasting the thicket and he heard their dogs behind them barking and driving in the sheep and the fawn also heard them and was discomfited for his wits had been all upon the trail and he was well nigh trapped and the shepherds saw him and cried out upon him and made to beat him with their crooks but he ran with great leaps and passed before them and was gone into the thicket then ewan went out to meet the shepherds and to question them for he perceived that they were come home from pasture before their time and they said that they had great need to come for that there was a gathering of fawns throughout all the country and it was the time of their madness wherein they would be fell and beastly then ewan told his tale also and they counselled him earnestly to go further for they understood how that he was hated of the fauns and belike against him was their gathering and against none other so ewan brought his lady forth in spite of weariness and the shepherds gave them such meat as they had and sent them away then ewan began to be afeard as he had never been afeard in all his days for he saw how his lady was fallen lame with the roughness of the hills and this that was before him was no proper warfare wherein a man may die reasonably but a desperate and unclean fortune to be overtaken by beasts in darkness and on every wind he heard voices and behind every tree he saw the shadow of his enemies so that he went continually as through an ambush forlorn of hope but enya spoke always with good cheer and made light of fawns as one that had a spell to subdue all creatures at her will and almost ewan believed her for she was steadfast beyond all bravery of feigning then at last the sun began to fall more swiftly to his setting and a great perplexity came upon ewan for he supposed that in the darkness would be the end of all but he knew not how nor in what point of time and he had a longing to say somewhat to enya yet for shame he could not say it lest by chance after despair there should come deliverance 
and therein his heart betrayed him not, for his fortune was better than his fear. Thus they continued going forward, and speaking as in hope, and though they spoke deceivingly each to other, yet their spirits were in peace together. And as they went, they looked upon the sky westward, and there was a little span between the sun and the sky border, and by that span they saw their life and measured it. And the sky was clear above and without cloud, but the sun was greatening below in a mist of rose, and against the mist was a black jot, as it were, a black crow homing towards nightfall, and when it came nearer, they saw how it was in bigness, greater than a crow, and in colour diverse, for the light went through it and yellowed it, and it flew more swiftly than a bird. Also it came with a sound of humming like a great bee, and the nearer the louder, till the air was shaken with the humming of it, and the blood quickened in them that heard it. And Ewan and Enya stood still to look upon it, and they saw that it was, by seeming, a man which flew with wings. And he came over to them where they stood, and went about them in a circle like a buzzard, wheeling lightly and looking down upon them. Then Ewan made a sign requiring succour of him, and he took Enya into his arms and made to shelter her, and with his staff he swung great strokes about him, as it were against a host of enemies. And his sign was well understanded of him that was flying, for he dropped swiftly down upon the earth, and he put off his wings, and came running where Ewan was, and Enya. And they saw how that he was a man like unto themselves, but tall and strong and comely out of measure, and at a word he perceived their peril and the evil malice of the fawns. Then hastily he did on his wings, and he took a thong, and when he had bound Ewan and Enya with the thong, he made them fast beneath his pinions, and so mounted lightly upon the air. And Ewan and Enya looked down and marvelled and held their breath, for the whole earth fell from them suddenly, and for a moment they had sight of fawns running together like ants beneath them, and then they saw the fawns also fall from them and become as dust. And the sun set, and the moon rose, and they went flying swiftly between the sun and the moon. Chapter 35 Of the city of Didala, and how an old dame therein despaired of it. So they went swiftly, and spoke no word, being astonished unto dumbness, for their life was changed suddenly, and they were in no place of the world. But he that bore them held his course, and he flew eastward by the space of an hour. Then they were aware how he sloped downwards in his flight, and they looked and saw beneath them a great city on the border of the sea, and in no long time they came lightly down and took land before a gate that was there. Then they three entered afoot into the city, and they came quickly to a good house, and were received therein. Now the house was the house of an old and noble dame, by name Irene, and she was the mother of Hyperenor, which had borne Ewan and Enya upon his wings. And them she greeted courteously, and received them to be her guests, while it should please them. But to her son she spoke after another sort, for in one and the same breath she dealt him sweet words and bitter, giving thanks to all the gods for his homecoming, and also bidding him be gone, where she might never be troubled with him more. And after this manner she continued all supper-time, 
and she would have Enya to know how she was the most miserable of all women living. "'For I was born,' she said, "'in a city far off from this, and in a land of other men and other customs, "'and I came hither blindfold in my youth, "'and the veil wherewith I was blinded was the veil of marriage, "'as it fortunes to the most of us. "'For of this city I knew nothing, "'but I supposed it to be an ancient city, "'and a pious with gods and customs like our own, "'and I found it given over to a madness of inheritance, "'and by special wrath of heaven accursed and punished.' For this is the city of Didala, where is the tomb of Didalus, whom they call the father of inventions. And though his bones be perished, yet they keep here his impiety, and do after it. And their madness is beyond belief, for there is nothing that they will do by way of nature, if by any means they can devise to do it otherwise, as by mechanemes of iron or brass. And at my first coming they were assotted upon chariots of fire, and afterwards upon a hundred other devices, full of noise and dangerous exceedingly. And now they sin with the very sin of Daedalus, for when he had found out many inventions, he found out this also, to fly above the earth with wings, a thing plainly hateful to the gods, for if it had been their will, they would have made men like to birds in the beginning. But their will was not so, and they have sent upon this city the curse of Daedalus, for as the god took his son from him, and cast him dead upon the sea, so now it is with us, and heavier a hundredfold. Then the old dame wept bitterly, that it was pity to see, and her son ran to her, and knelt beside her, and handled her lovingly. And when he had some deal comforted her, then he spoke merrily, and said how it was shame to lay so much on gods, and to make them unreasonable, and so bring them into judgment. And it may be, he said, that it is we, and none other, that are the gods, for certainly we are greater than our fathers, and there shall yet be greater that shall come after us. But his mother rebuked him, and said, I will not hear such words, for your fathers kept due observance, and lived long, and you of this generation do reverence to none, but you fly outrageously in the face of heaven, and your youth is cast down upon the earth as upon a dust-heap. And to what profit? for you die like the flowers, and leave no name behind you. And Hyperenor said, So be it, but our fruit shall follow us, for it may be that our sons shall fly, and not fall. But Irene wept again, and said, You are great givers, for you tear your mother's hearts to feed your children. Then Enya went to her to comfort her, for she was sorry in her heart for that old dame, and she saw how she had no other son but this one only and him she looked daily to lose. And Ewan also had pity on her, for there is no man that can bear to look upon a woman weeping. But he was divided in mind, and in part he was pitiful, as need was, but in greater part he took side with Hyperenor, and upheld him to have the right of it, for he saw how the young man was a great knight, and strong, and passing comely. And though his words were some deal big, yet his voice was slow and courteous, as the voice of one that would make good. Also in his doctrine Ewan upheld him, for in all wars there will be some that die, and they die gladly to subdue a kingdom, though for themselves they see it not, nor enter into it. But most he loved him as one that would dare and do, and of his daring and his doing he would willingly hear more, 
for it seemed to him a great and marvellous thing that men should fly that so they might come into all places of the earth yea and perchance into some that are beyond chapter thirty six of a promise that was made to ewan and how he took wings to seek for aladore then after supper the old dame went out and enya with her and ewan was left there with hyperenor and they too sat a long time talking together as they talked they drank their wine by cup and by cup and they sat beside a window and the window was open wide looking upon the city and upon the lights thereof and the night over them was blue and spangled with bright stars and ewan perceived how that hyperenor was no longer strange to him but near and kind as out of old friendship and he spoke with him concerning many matters and was accorded with him continually then at the last he spoke of aladore and he told him how that he must of necessity come there to be wedded with his lady and how he had sight of that land as it were of a cloud in heaven yet he could by no manner of means attain to find it and hyperenor received his saying readily and began to make him large promises for he was such an one that in his book was no word for things impossible and he said how he would give ewan wings and learn him quickly how he should use them so that in one day he might well come to fly with all ease if he had but good courage and continuance of fortune and as for aladore he had no knowledge thereof but to find it he took to be no hard matter for if such place there be he said be sure that flying will bring us to it save it be at the sea bottom and in that case he told ewan how that he had yet another mechaneme to do his purpose so that by wing or by water ewan should certainly come thither then when ewan heard those words he was fain to believe them and he began to feel his wings uplifting him and he doubted not of hyperenor but he thought to know more of his mind concerning aladore therefore he asked him toward what quarter of the earth they should begin their seeking and hyperenor answered toward no quarter for that the land was plainly no place of earth but a floating isle after the kind of the isles which float upon the sea and belike it would be found in the region of the stars and ewan marvelled at his knowledge and took comfort of it for he also believed that it was no earthly city which he sought but what else it might be he knew not until it was showed him reasonably so he heard hyperenor and was content and looked upward to the stars and he beheld their aspect such as with his eyes he never yet beheld it for he knew them of old both by stars and by constellations but now first he saw their images in heaven and behind every constellation was an image like a great shadow decked with stars and the shadows went about the high dome like servants of the gods going silently in their appointed order and ewan knew no longer where he might be for he saw no more the lights of the city nor heard the voice of hyperenor that talked beside him also it seemed to him that time was fallen dead so that the world was void and still as a glass is void when all the sands are run down upon the heap and he awoke as from long dreaming but he perceived that hyperenor knew not how he had been from him all that space so within a while they betook them to their rest 
then on the morrow they rose up early and came to a meadow ground which lay before the gate of the city and hyperenor gave ewan wings according to his promise and showed him all his own skill therewith and ewan received his teaching quickly and brought it to good market so that in no long time he went which way he would and he wearied not nor failed of strength but his wings upbore him lightly without labour for they were so devised and when it was evening he thought to prove his adventure for he was not willing to return into the house to enya until he should have somewhat to tell her and when the sun was now going down into the sea ewan did on his wings again and scanned all the regions of the sky and there was no cloud near the sun but over against his setting there was only one cloud made golden by the light of evening and under the cloud was the moon rising and she came up out of the mountains of the east and went climbing towards the cloud then ewan called to hyperenor and together they leapt into the air then at the first they went wheeling about and about to gain the height of the sky and the dusk began to fall softly round them and ewan looked down in his wheeling and there was the city of Didala very far beneath him and it smallened and darkened continually so that save for the moonlight upon the towers he had soon seen it no more but for a time he saw it still lying cold and white by the border of the sea then he looked up and saw the stars and above him hyperenor flying beneath the starry roof and ewan followed him and they left their wheeling and flew straight toward the cloud above the moon and the moon rose up to meet them and the light of her came cold upon their faces and they strained in their flight to hold their way above her so that they flew faster and faster into the hollow of the night and as they went the coldness of the void entered into ewan's blood and he felt no more neither hope nor fellowship and his love lay frozen within him as the root of a flower lies frozen in winter but his thought was busier than aforetime and his desire was to know all things which might be known and he looked down again toward the earth and saw it as a thing without life or meaning for in bigness it was lesser than his hand and it fell beneath him like a stone that is hurtled from a cliff and he said within himself what is that to me for it is but one amongst many and he looked up again to hyperenor that he might follow him further but when he looked he saw him not nor the cloud neither and in a moment his thought was dazed within him and went staggering like a man struck suddenly upon his eyes for on every side the stars were changed about him and they kept no more the order of their constellations but they were as a crowd rushing upon him countless and disorderly then he looked again upon the moon and saw her as it were hard by him and he was yet more in dread for she was no living land but a bare plain and cold and upon the plain were hills like naked bones and black pits like the pits of dead men's eyes and in the same instant he saw against the moonlight hyperenor falling like a dead bird towards the earth and in his fall he came by ewan and went fluttering past him and ewan leaned over and peered after him and the coldness left him and the blood came again swiftly from his heart 
and he stooped his head and went whirling down the gulf and the winds rushed up to meet him and bore him whither they would for his strength was as the strength of a leaf that falls at end of summer end of part twelve